Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Realm. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. And we're going to look at some bounce back candidates today for the Flyers. As we know, the Flyers need a number of guys to bounce back. Uh, They have a lot of guys that, as Chuck Fletcher mentioned, the general manager of the team said a lot of young players either regressed or plateaued. So they really need some guys to take strides next year if they want to get the team back on track and into playoff contention. So we figure why not look at some bounce back candidates. We got the idea from uh, our NBC folks up in Stanford, Connecticut on the national website. They looked at 15 bounce back candidates across the NHL for next season. They also talked about it on air. Uh, Keith Jones and Anson Carter also looked at those bounce back candidates. So a lot of great content there. Check it out. And the reason we really thought we would hit on it was because Carter Hart was at the very top of the list for national across the league. Across the league. Across the league. So they believe Carter Hart is the number one guy to bounce back next season, justifiably so. So let's get into our top five Flyers bouncing back. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Taryn Hart. Uh, Taryn Hatcher, not Taryn Hart. We will, we will go at number five to one. Who is number five for you if you had to pick? Oh, shoot. Um, I didn't realize we were going to do it this way. Number five, I would probably put, uh, for me, would be Sanheim. Um, I think that while he regressed, I don't think a lot, well, I do think some of his regression was on him, but I think quite a bit of the regression had to do with breakdowns that weren't entirely in his control. Um, So I think in terms of like who's got the biggest hill to climb, to bounce back, Travis Sanheim, I would put at number five. Um, I think there's other players who, if they bounce back, have somewhat more of an impact, especially offensively, because I think most of the other players we're going to talk about are forwards. Um, but I think Travis has the least amount of work to do to bounce back. And um, even though this season was not good for him, but I think it is important that he does. Um so, yeah, I'll put him at number five just because I think it's – when you talk about bounce back, it's A, who's going to have the biggest impact once they do, I think, and B, who's got the biggest gap to make up from what they did this year. I think Travis in the latter category 
does have work to do, but I, I don't think he has as much work as some other people. So I'll put, I'll put Sanheim at number five. No, I think that's super fair. Uh, Sanheim, even in his post-game or a uh, post-game, uh, I'm sorry, end of season press conference mentioned how like there was some positives for him this season and that there was a lot of challenges that he believes he'll learn from, but that also it was, you know, the, t- the team struggle. Um, it's easy for us to look at Sanheim's minus 22 and say, well, he took major steps back. Um, Taryn, I had Sanheim at number three. I also had him on my list. I think he should be there. To me, I'm going to look at his past three seasons before this one and notice that he progressed over all three. He took very good strides over all three. I'm going to bank more on that than one year where I thought he really struggled, had a lot of challenges in a tough year, a different year. Um, He's only 25, and I'm going to remember all the upside that he has. I think he'll be fine, and I also noticed – he did not play on the power play even as close to as many minutes as he did on the previous two seasons. Yeah. So the offense, the offense opportunities might not have been there for him to really build confidence. They asked a lot of him on the penalty kill. I think he's going to be fine. I think um, we're going to look at this year and maybe say it was a hiccup uh, and the hiccup maybe for a lot of guys. Uh, Who's Tara, your five, Jordan? Number five. I had Nolan Patrick. I'll go with Nolan and I'll, and then I'll let you get into your fourth turn. I had Nolan here. Some people might say, well, what does he what where did he really take a step back from last year? Because obviously the previous season he didn't play, but we can't forget he was a minus 30, uh, didn't even have double digit points. I think Nolan Patrick can be better. I expect him to be better to be better. And um, I think he's a young player that just needs to be, he's one of those young players that needs to be um, a lot better and take strides uh, for the Flyers to be better. I think people had high hopes of him being a really good, impactful player down the middle of the ice for them. And it just – it didn't happen last year. We know all the challenges he went through. But I think Nolan Patrick, for me, still needs to be in the top five list. How about you? So let me ask you this this then. Because I think it's interesting when we talk about bounce-back players. In your mind, is it players that you think are most likely to kind of recover from, from what they put out on the ice this year or players you think that have the biggest impact if they do bounce back? It's my question here. That's a great question. I would say it's more guys that I think need to bounce back for the team to be better. Right, um, okay. I don't know if they will per se, uh, like for Nolan Patrick, you know, I still yeah, believe in them, but I don't know exactly. Waters, yeah. yeah. I don't know the type of player he's going to be next season to be truthfully honest. Um, how do you evaluate it in that, in that sense? Um, I, so I would, I would love to do this as a snake draft. So I did five, then you did five, you can do four and then I'll do four. We can do it that way. Just because I don't want to, you know, like steal people over and over again or anything. I actually didn't, Nolan's not in my top five Um, in part, I think because, and I'm not trying to downplay a center anywhere on the ice is important, but like if he's a three C and he's just serviceable, you know, this season was bad. Yes. But like, we don't have, we didn't really have any way to gauge what we thought this season should be for him. I think it's unfair to compare it to what he did before. And people love to talk about Nolan Patrick now compared to juniors, which I always think is a massive disservice because he was, he was, it's an entirely different game. Um, and I know he was a, like a generational player in juniors, but I, I, again, I think that's a, that's just misleading. Um, I think there's other players who struggled in positions that have greater for me, greater impact because he is a three C at times was playing on, on the wing, on the fourth line, you know, his minutes were kind of all over the place. He was scratched a few times. 
Um, I think obviously if he's playing very well, it's a huge, huge swing in terms of talent for the Flyers, but I actually didn't have him in my top five um, because of my number four player, but I want to get yours first because mine, I think might throw people for a loop a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So number four, Taryn, I had Kevin Hayes. I, I think Hayes has to be on here. Um, again, I, I'm not a big believer in like pinning things on one guy. Um, I know maybe uh, different sections of the fan base have different points where they're frustrated with. Um, but for me, Kevin Hayes um, didn't have an awful season, but I don't think he took positive strides from his really good year one in Philadelphia. I think he can be a lot better. I would love to see him maybe set a new career high in an offensive category. He was very close to doing that with goals in year one until the season was stopped because of the coronavirus pandemic. And I would love to see him be more active and a threat on the penalty kill. He had four shorthanded goals in year one with Philly. Uh, this season, none. Uh, I missed that Kevin Hayes. I think the Flyers missed that Kevin Hayes. I think fans missed that Kevin Hayes. So Kevin Hayes, Karen, for me, is number four. How about you? Kevin Hayes is on my list. In fact, okay. we will get to him shortly. But my number four, and this is the one that I think is going to – people might hate me for this. Ivan Provorov. I think Ivan Provorov regressed massively this past year, and a lot of it's not through any fault of his own. Like, I, I don't really think he – if if you really talk, sat him down honestly off camera and talked to him about his year, I think he would be both upset with himself and admit that some of it's a, a team – issue it's very similar to Sandheim in certain ways but I think that if Ivan Pro if Ivan Provorov can play very well like he did in 2019-2020 it is a a sign that the Flyers are forechecking better in front of him checking back defensively in front of him better and that they've done something to shore up their deep pairs but I think the problem is you know the defense is in a bad way when Ivan Provorov struggled the way that he did this season, which is why I think if he can bounce back and have a big season, it means that there's signs of positivity all over the ice. Um, because Ivan's a guy, I think, who is part of him playing defense really well is dependent upon the people around him. And when given the opportunity to play very well, he becomes a Norris Trophy you know, guy in the conversation. Um, but when things around him are not, you see how much he grips the stick, how much he tries to overcompensate and how much, I mean, there were, there were some bad goals that were Ivan Provorov's fault that would not have happened a year ago because he was doing too much. He was just doing way too much. And if he's not there, and I recognize this, if he's not there eating those massive minutes and doing all that he does, that's this Flyers team is in a much worse way this past season but I think Provy having a good year is a sign of better defensive structure top to bottom. You know, the deep pairs finding some settling, you know, and, and getting some structure again. And I think that when Provy doesn't play well, he didn't play well in 2018, 2019. He did not play particularly well this season. A, it's, it's a real bad sign of other things. And being you just lose so much because you don't it's almost like when he does too much he goes kind of into this negative area versus when he's not doing quite as much he's such a positive to have um and I'm not saying that he takes away from but when when he overcompensates and he's trying to play four positions at once you don't get any of his positives you don't in fact I think you miss out because people depend upon Ivan to kind of make up for certain things 
So Ivan's my number four guy. Um, I think if he has a big season, it's big for him and it's big for the Flyers and it's big in terms of it means things are going in the right direction on a lot of different pages. Um, my number three is Kevin Hayes, who you just mentioned before. Um, I think that, you know, it was interesting. You never want to hear about an injury, but when the sports hernia surgery thing came up after the season, some things sort of clicked to me that made sense. I thought the thing, the thing about Kevin Hayes is, is that last year, if you look at his film, 2019, 2020, I'm talking about, he cheats a lot. It's kind of his thing. He does it a lot defensively. He's not always where he should be. Um, but he found a way to get away with it before, you know, whether it was because when he did cheat, he converted almost every time he capitalized almost every time. And so you can kind of take the sin with the saint part of it. Um, this season, it, it didn't feel like he was cheating for production. Sometimes it just felt like cheating. And I don't know if that's because like we mentioned over and over again, when the flyers, forwards defensive structure was often riddled with issues so it's not all on him but he was just he was invisible a lot and he cheated in really obvious ways that did hurt the team this year and there wasn't that compensation for it on the other end and when you hear like oh he was dealing with this injury that sucks um it kind of makes you understand that he was pushing through something and not just being lazy um and so you hope he comes back. And I listen, I think part of the biggest change in the Flyers from that terrible, god-awful 2018-2019 season to the 2019-2020 success story was Kevin Hayes. And not just, I mean, we know all the stats about when Kevin Hayes scores a goal, how much they win. Part of that is he's just big energy. He is a big guy in the room. When he scores, when he's getting goals, when he's on a line with somebody who gets a goal, even if he's not involved, it has it has ripple effects. It has big energy. And I think if he can get back to where he needs to be, it, his impact is bigger than people realize. Um, and you hope that the, the, the hernia surgery and all of that really, I hate to say, is like the quick fix to some of the issues, but it did make certain things make sense because we talk about Kevin Hayes cheating, but he was also on the PK like all the time. And, and like, I talked to Mike Yo back in 2020 about it all the time. He really liked what Kevin Hayes could do on the PK big body. Like he kind of gets the trigger points that just that hockey instinct of things. Um, and you didn't see that same pounce makes more sense now. So hopefully healthy equals hazy being normal. Who's your number three? Yeah, so I had Sandheim, Taryn, um, and I really liked your points about Hayes as well. Uh, you had to think that injury had some type of impact in the way that he played. And, yeah, you know, I know Kevin Hayes has skill and offensive ability, uh, but I would love to see him be a little more protect the puck, use that big body of his, uh, and make plays that way. I feel like he did that a lot in 2019-20, and you could see why the Flyers wanted him, with that, the way he can protect the puck and make those hard plays. There's like a bullishness to certain things that he could do that he didn't. There's like that bulldog yeah. aspect of st like the way he just wouldn't give the puck up. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. No. There was something more, again, like bullish is the only word I can think of, of in his game before that became more delicate this year. And yeah. 
not in like a finesse way, just in like kind of fragile way. Yeah. Makes more sense. It absolutely does. I, I really thought he kind of became sometimes a one and done play where he would have an opportunity. Once that opportunity didn't work, um, the play was maybe going the other way or uh, it just kind of was done. So I would love to see him be a little more consistent there for sure. Yeah, I had Sanheim at number three, uh, touched on him a little bit. Uh, I just really think the Flyers thought he could possibly be their second best defenseman uh, this season, and he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really even close. He went through a lot, but I think Sanheim's a really good kid. Um, again, I know some people are going to say, well, 25 is not that young. Well, it can be for a defenseman. Uh, defensemen develop a little slower. They come up a little slower. Uh, they don't, you know, they're not like a lot of forwards and wingers that come up sometimes at 19, 20 years old. They take some time. It's a high pressure position. It really is. And you can't um, buy size and speed. Like you can't no. buy his skating ability and his size. I would just, I'd love to see him or Phil develop into one of those guys who physically punishes people though too. And you just don't have that. Yeah. And I, I, there's been times where I've had people tell me, well, he could have been more physical there or he could have killed the play like Justin Braun does at times. And I've seen Sanheim do that. I see him take away the body of the forward and really make a nice defensive play. Could he do it more often? Can Phil Myers? Absolutely. Uh, but there's still plenty of upside. And I just, I just don't want to rush the judgment on these, on these two young defensemen uh, in a shortened year. That was just a challenge for many people. The Flyers didn't deal with it real well. I think they can be better. So Sanheim for me is number three, because I just think, I think a lot of his upside, I think he can be a lot better for them. Uh, but Tara, I'll get into my number two. I'm I have a feeling our two and ones are going to be identical. It probably will be. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stopping the Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. But I'll get into my number two, Taryn. Like you said, I think we will probably be uh, very close to each other here. I'm going to go Travis Konechny. Uh, Konechny, I think, is an all-star player. I don't think he played like one this past season. Uh, I think he needs to get back to that. Uh, I've noted it before. He had seven even-strength goals this year in 50 games in 2019-20. He had 19 even strength goals that led the team. Uh, I think all-star players make the game um, easier for their teams at five on five. At even strength, they make things happen. I just didn't see Travis Connecting do that consistently enough. I think if he gets back to the player he was in 2019-20, the Flyers will be a lot better. And I think he also had a challenging year too. He had COVID. Um, he had a real lengthy stretch. He was the final player, if you remember, Taryn, to come back from mm -hmm. COVID. So he was out, I think, from – I believe it was like early February-ish. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it was Super Bowl Sunday. That it's like that February seventh until like I want to say something maybe or it was it yeah. in the teens. I don't really remember to be honest with you. But yeah, I remember he went out. He was one of the first guys to go. Well, Sanheim was the first, right? And then, yeah. but he didn't have it. He didn't he have it. Exposed. And then I think Travis was like the next guy up. Him and Bill, maybe. I have to. Not everything just bleeds together. Yeah, there were six players that eventually during that time period had COVID. Konechny was the last one to actually go on COVID protocol. So he maybe got it a little bit later or his test came mm. back positive a little bit later. So he was out obviously the entire COVID shutdown that week. And then he had to miss like the following 14 days. So like he he missed yeah. like over three weeks of time. Like that's, that's rare. You, you just don't see that unless you have a serious injury. So I think he had a challenging year from a lot of different perspectives of being benched, then COVID. Um, I, I believe in Travis Konechny, and I think he can be a lot better in terms of playmaking, making things happen, being one of those top goal scorers for the Flyers. Taryn Hatcher, who do you have it too? 
Yeah, same thing, TK here. Um, he's another guy where when he's doing something, I feel like it, it permeates at the very least through his line. Like, I think Kevin Hayes is a guy who talks to everybody on the bench, gets everybody worked up, like, you know, but Travis has a way of getting under the other team's skin and, and everybody knows this, like, um, and when he's scoring, it's, it's such a positive because you can tell how much other teams hate when he scores specifically, which is worth something. Um, the thing I'll say for TK is I just, I hope, and I know that he's like a London, Ontario guy and Ontario is still dealing with some shutdown issues, um, is that he can get more of a normal off season in. I had heard through the grapevine and I remember from talking to him, um, in the media day before the season started. And I know we've referenced this before, um, and it should be no surprise that his off season setup was, I think, quite different this year um and the season before when he had really early success with the flyer i mean he had an all-star season period but if you guys remember back to the beginning of the 20 at like 2019 2019 2020 the early part of that season he was like red hot and he credited his off-season training entirely for that and a lot of the things that he did to be successful that season and to get that ball rolling he wasn't able to do coming into this year and i know he scored some girls early this season but I think if you look back a lot of them were just him crashing the paint they were kind of ugly they weren't you know really indicative of the player he was the year before I mean not credit for getting the right place at the right time but I think that's like the gamer in him some people weren't ready coming into the season and even though his off-season training wasn't normal I think he came in ready for the games like just to get to the right place at the right time um, but then I think everybody else played their way into being comfortable. And at that point, I, I personally, no one told me this, but I thought that he looked like he started to slip a little bit behind what everybody else was doing. And then the COVID shutdown hit. And it was very apparent to me, at least, that that was one of the guys who physically seemed like COVID took the biggest toll on him. Like we mentioned how long he was out. You know, keep in mind as well, from my understanding what the player said, the strain that went through Buffalo and then through the East division, almost everyone had symptoms. And um, most of the flyers talked about it. TK said he had some, his girlfriend is pregnant and was when that all happened. Like, I think he was in a really tough place and it seemed pretty apparent to me when he came back that the, the fatigue that a lot of people talk about with COVID, I thought we saw that with him a little bit. Um, and again, this is not, me from any inside source it's just speculating off of what these players said and you know I don't think he ever blamed it on that but I know he mentioned when he came back from COVID you know that it he he had some symptoms I know Claude Giroux said the same thing um so I think the thing that was tough for him was both he had to play his way kind of into shape to begin with into true shape and then probably around the time he would have been getting comfortable again you know a month into the season, COVID hits and you're stuck inside and isolated. And then on top of it, you get COVID late. And so you've got two more weeks of it and you've got some, like, I just, I think it was a really crappy year to judge Travis Konechny, to be honest with you. And that's why you hear a lot of GMs say, I'm not basing a whole lot off of this season. I do think the one sign of hope was, was at the end of the season, we saw, we started to see shades of the TK we're used to. And I think part of that was that he was probably played and played his way back into shape again. 
Because um, you think about just the day to day of coming off of COVID, and then you have that month of March where you're only playing games and you're really never having a true practice. I, when did he have time to condition? When did he have time other than games to get back to where he needed to be? He didn't. Um, so I think it's kind of a crappy year to judge him. And I think he will be better. I think he would like to be better. Um, I think of all the players you look at and who probably had the, one of the bigger rights to make an excuse. I think Travis Konechny is probably one of those players at the top. Anyway, any of the players who had COVID, I think really have a right to say like, Hey guys, it's not that easy to get into NHL shape after, you know, battling an illness that's killed a whole bunch of people and has a really difficult side effects for a lot of other people. Um, so I expect that he'll bounce back. And I think if he does, it just has an absolutely massive impact on this team. Taryn, do you, I want to ask you this. Do you, do you worry at all about him as a goal scorer? And I asked you this because if you look at his all-star season, he had 24 goals in 66 games. And I find it very interesting because if you tack on now the playoffs that he had last year, 16 games, he did not score a goal. And then he played 50 games this season and he scored 11 goals. So if you add that, those sample sizes together, that's 66 games, 11 goals. There was just a, a major fall off there, but I do think a lot of that could be COVID related because obviously the, the return to play was after a long, weird break. Yeah. And then this season, weird. I, I don't discredit anybody who, who makes that argument. Like, cause it's just, it's a numbers game. You look at it and you go, yeah, I, I don't think the numbers tell the whole story though. Um, I know no one wants to hear this excuse because they're like, he gets paid $6 million a year and this, that, and the next thing. And anybody's justified in that conversation as well. But I think of, you know, how hard it, 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 it must've been to try to like get up and get motivated and get moving and get ready for a postseason. And there's all the NHL PA conversations and this and that, and the bubble, you know, whatever. Um, going into last year's playoffs and i think of me how old how old is tk now is he 23 24 24 yeah so like 23 last year i think of 23 year old me you get sent home you're like what's going on you know you have to i don't even know if ontario really let people rent rinks for a long time i know at some point claude Giroux was allowed to go to a rink by himself but i don't know what that really even looked like up there for them um, and you're a, like a finesse guy. I just, Weird. it seems like it's, it's a situation, again, it's a situation where I go, I can accept in this situation, most of the excuses that they're throwing at me, I don't have to like them. But when I think of day to day and it's not, it's not like with hockey, you can just go outside and run and that keeps you in shape. It's not like that at all. You know, so if some guy is saying to me like, yeah, really, I went to the bubble last year, wasn't in the right mindset, you know, didn't really feel like myself, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I'm willing to sit here and say, yeah, that's fine. Because I mean, on a completely different level from my own athletic experiences, like I grew up running my whole life. But when it came time for soccer season, if I didn't train for soccer, the ball bounces off of your foot and you're out of shape for the sport because it's a combination of sprinting and running and jogging. Like it, 
what you could do easily during COVID is not conducive to playing good hockey. Like we heard, we heard of Sean Couturier here say, I had to do yoga and go for runs because there's nothing I could do. But when you think about skating, it's not really anything like running. It's like lunging. It's like lateral lunges over and over and over and over again. And that's not even including puck handling. So I get, I get people being concerned about TK's numbers and I respect that argument as it stands. But for me, again, I'm a person who goes, if you wanted to sit here and say to me, I can do anything like I normally do, totally screwed me up. And I'm a player who needs this stuff. I'll accept it. Some players don't need it. So when people say other, well, other players dealt with the same thing, that's fine. Some people don't need it. Like you read all the stories about Alexander Ovechkin. Ovi can house a lasagna before a game and play and, you know, rack up six points in the game and be fine. Most people can't do that. And I don't think Travis is a guy who can, he's not particularly big. He's quick, but he's not Barzell. Like, I think he's dependent upon, you know, his line mates and like his skill and his skill takes practice and work and, you know, fine tuning. So yeah, I, I can deal with it, honestly. Yeah. And I, I would love to see Travis Konecki become a 30 goal scorer at some point. He was obviously, yeah. as we know, his all-star season, he was, he was on pace for that. He had 24 with about uh, the Flyers, 13 games left. So he was going to have a good crack at it because I think Travis Konecki is a great playmaker, but I think the team doesn't have a ton of just bona fide goal scorers. And I think if he can be one, um, the Flyers don't have to worry about scoring goals as much because they're going to have a guy that's out there doing it for them. So I think Konechny is the guy that can take those strides. Taryn, I have a feeling we're sharing the same number one here in terms of bounce back candidates. Carter Hart. I'm pretty sure that's the guy for you. It's the guy for me for sure. Um, as we know, uh, on the national level, uh, they thought Carter Hart was the number one bounce back candidate across the entire NHL. It makes clear sense. He is the, the number one guy for the Flyers. He has to be better. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are worried about Carter Hart. I actually think he was taking some serious positive strides, Taryn, mentally and physically in net uh, towards the end of the season. If you actually look over his final five games before he got injured and then obviously was shut down, his goals against, I think, was like 2-2-3. Two, two, um, it was actually pretty good. And you could sense, too, when we talked to him, he was feeling better. He said he was having fun again, um, all of that. So I think he was taking some real positive strides that I think will really help him this offseason – and you could tell he was just eager to get back home up into the Edmonton area, be around family, feel normal, training again. Uh, Carter is only 22. I think he's going to be fine. I think we'll look back at this year and just remember it was a really challenging year for a young player. I think Flyers fans are hoping that. What are you seeing, Carter Hart? Uh, why is he your number one? Well, he's my number one because he has to bounce back. If he, he doesn't to. bounce back, what is this team going to do? Like, what are you even going to do? Yeah. Um. I have been accused of being too nice to Carter Hart, even though I've also absolutely bashed him on quite a few post-game shows. So I will say, like, I'm very much in the crowd where if he comes out and he plays terrible to start the season next year, like, I will very much question, is Carter Hart the player we thought he will be? Don't be soft. Rip him. Rip the kid. No. Well, I think – and I think it's fair. Like, I've talked to – um, Brian Boucher about this quite a bit. We talked to Robert Esch about it as well. Like if you talk to anybody who actually played goaltender in this league, um, all of them are like, I'm not worried about Carter Hart. 
he, yes, he played terrible this season. We can all say he sucked this year. Um, you don't have to accept the positive strides. Some people won't, you know, and I, Jordan, I do agree with you, but I think most people are like, I don't really care about strides. Like, yeah. Um, show me good goaltending throughout the season. And that's fair too. Yeah. Um, the one thing that when we talked to Ash really stood out to me though, is he was like being a goaltender is a real mental game, especially in the city of Philadelphia. City's been thirsting ravenous for Ron Hextall since the day Ron Hextall no longer wore a flyer sweater. And it's also a fan base that, you know, you, I know this from being at every single flyers game at Wells Fargo center. I see as many heart jerseys as I do Giroux jerseys. So I understand the appreciation, but it makes the pedestal that much higher that when you fall, it hurts more. Um, they're just dedicated fans. And I think some of that was compounded with the, the, <laughs> to be honest with you, like the lonely Carter Hart that he made very public, you know, that aloneness that he felt, I think it compounded and I think it had a real stressful effect on him. Um, that being said, like, I get it. He's young. It's a difficult uh, time for a lot of people mentally. And, and I've certainly been sympathetic maybe overly so both on this podcast and on pre and post game live. But I will say this, like, honestly, next year, he's got to figure out some tools to, to deal with that. I, I don't think anybody expected anyone to have the tools this year to, you know, get through it and deal with that. But now that he's experienced it, he's, he's known what it's like to really struggle, you know, both physically performance wise and clearly mentally in terms of dealing with the realities of how difficult life is right now for the sake of him, he, I think he's got to find some better tools next year to deal with it because it was pretty apparent. I think from Elaine Vino's press conferences that at some point he was like, you just got to play better. You know, you just, you, you do, you just have to be better. Um, and I think for Carter, it was pretty evident how much of a toll it took on him. And you don't really want to see that for anybody. So he's got to bounce back the team really like, what else are you going to do if he doesn't? Um, and I hope for his sake, he does. Cause it was pretty apparent on a personal level, how difficult the season was for him. Um, but it's, it's it, be realistic. It's Philly. And like, you can't, you can't convince fans to be, you know, compassionate to the point that it's, it's detrimental to the team that they pay a lot of money to watch. Like that's just the reality of the situation. So It'll be interesting. I have faith in Carter. You know, when Brian Boucher is saying like, it's a weird year, he'll get over it, then I buy it. So, and that is what Bouch said. So <laughs> I'm hoping that's the truth here. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you talk to so many people that played the game and that are in the game. They all have faith in him. They know him. Um, they, they know what goes into the position. Like you said, it's a real, such a they, a lot of people say it's one of the toughest positions to play in sports because it's, you know, you're, there's a, there's a giant microscope spotlight shining down on you in that net. Um, and when the thing goal, that goes wrong is your fault. Exactly. And all the goals that get scored for your team, you are generally not involved in again, yeah. unless you're Ron Hextall. So yeah. Blame Hexy for some of this. Yeah. <laughs> And I also think too, I always think of ages and I kind of try to uh, um, equate it to other situations in life. You think about it, 22 years old, that's like a college senior. And, you know, like imagine a college senior going through, going through COVID-19, the world of COVID-19 by himself, literally just sitting in his dorm or his apartment by himself, not seeing anyone and then feeling great the next day. Like, oh, like, everything's fine. Like I haven't seen anyone in front and that's kind of what Carter Hart was going through. He's, he's a college senior in many ways. Especially and- when it's like, sorry, I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off, but like the funny thing is to the point you just made, like the year before when I did the high school superlatives and I was asking everybody most talkative, it was Kevin Hayes and Carter Hart. They were like, he just loves to be around the boys. He yeah. loves to talk to the boys. Um, I think he's a guy who like likes to be in the, in the Flyers family. And this was not an easy year to do that. No. Yeah. You think about it, even leaving practice, I'm sure players probably hang out or they grab lunch or what have you. And like, you couldn't, you, 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 you would go home and just be by yourself. Or, you know, if you, if you, like they said, like a lot of the older guys maybe fared better in COVID-19 because they were married, they have family, they have kids, they can go home and kind of get away from the sport and, feel normalcy where yeah if you're a single guy a younger guy living by yourself away from home you know carter is from the edmonton area uh yeah you're just kind of by yourself and then when you struggle like you said taryn it compounds because uh you're just stewing in frustration and in your own thoughts i think carter really dealt with that this season and yes uh should we factor that into his struggles absolutely you hope normalcy is good for him at the same time, yeah, it's maybe we shouldn't be overly compassionate. This is the big leagues. It's the NHL. It's the best league in the world, and he plays a position where it's a mental grind, and you have to you have to be mentally strong and fit. So, I think that like, and I know I said this before, like the one thing, and I I hope it's the best way to word it, but I don't really know because I feel like it's pretty easy to get in trouble these days. Is that you really do you have to have the tools to deal with these things? And you didn't really, I don't know that they were easily accessible or it was easy to figure out for people this year. And that's why I have probably defended everyone a little bit too much this year. Um, Or no, like I think a fair amount, to be honest with you. But knowing what you went through this year, you have to have the tools for next year, whether it's like scheduling. I know he said his teammates and their families would have him over for dinner, whether it's like scheduling dinners with people more regularly or... Um, I think it's like, well, it's public knowledge. I'm 
like positive is that he stopped going to the same sports psychologist that he always went to before. And it's like, all right, well then is there someone else you can talk to that has the tools to help you get through these things? Like I, I, I think a lot of us in COVID have tried to find ways to stay sane and it's not easy for anyone. So I can't imagine being a professional athlete who's 22 years old that has been deemed the savior by the city and anointed time and time again by, by these fans. Um, but you'd hope for next year, you have to have the tools because it's not, it's a team game. So if he struggles and he flounders, everyone struggles and everyone flounders and it probably makes the weight of everything you're dealing with even heavier. Yeah. If you look at hockey and, and we're looking at all these bounce back candidates, it, your numbers and stats and all that fun stuff, it's all, it's a byproduct of the team in so many ways, goaltending defenseman forwards. So a lot of these guys had tough years. It's probably a byproduct of the Flyers tough season. And they need a number of these guys to bounce back. Uh, they're going to look for external help turn as we know this all season, but they have a lot of in-house players that just need to be better for the team to be better. And it's funny because we have sample sizes of it. You had 2019-20 where they were very good and 2020-21 where they weren't. So something's got to give and we'll see. I'm just over here going, Dougie Hamilton, Dougie. <laughs> over and over again. I know I made my Landis Cog um, declarations last podcast, but I'm just like, Dougie. Dougie. I think a lot of Flyers fans are <laughs> They're probably joining you in saying that. I know. You know, we can hope. We can all hope. The offseason will be here soon. We'll see. And uh, it should be fun. But Taryn Hatcher, those are your five bounce back candidates. Love them. I have five. Flyers fans, I'm sure you have five. Would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, But Taryn, thank you so much. As always, great chatting with you. Cannot wait to chat with you soon. Ben Berry, podcast producer, thank you so much as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.